In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I love these shows. They're always really good where we look at three year ahead into the future and we've got another cracking guest on for you today. So I'm really excited. I'll let you introduce him, Paul. Well, this is an interesting guest, actually. This is a live TripAdvisor reviewer. So, John, <laughs> last time I was at the Baltimore game, I stayed on your sofa. How are you going, mate? I'm doing great, man. How uh, how you been? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks a lot for your hospitality when I came over. And I want to put myself out there. I want a TripAdvisor-style review of me sleeping on your sofa. So if you can give me some headlines or the listeners so I can get some more sofas to sleep on how was i as a guest uh you know i'm gonna rate you four stars out of five wow no i can't do that you know uh, the pluses are that you know you are very quiet and neat and uh, very respectful of my home so i appreciate and my animals which i appreciate that but uh, i gotta knock you down a star you folded the blankets and stuff before you left which makes me look bad to my wife so i don't appreciate that gonna have to knock you down a star for that so four stars for me so in the future if i'm a guest i've got to leave a mess only at mine okay well, uh, <laughs> well john i'm afraid to say i'm giving you five out of five mate you're a great host thank you very much for looking after us yeah no problem anytime and john as you're a uh, guest and looked after me plug what you're up to uh, at the moment uh, with your um, youtube and your podcast yeah so we uh so we do the uh, sometimes it's a little intermittent these days, but uh, we've had some moves going on with the co-host. But this Believe Land is Your Land podcast that we do uh, with Josh and Mike. Uh, we're getting into the draft heavy here, and uh, we've gotten some new software uh, and started doing some video breakdowns of some of the prospects. So uh, everybody can look forward to uh, some great breakdowns in the next month or two um, for video podcasts slash uh, YouTube, whatever is more convenient for people. I know you're good mates with uh, Jake Burns. So Jake Burns, watch out. You got someone on your tail. <laughs> I don't know. I, not quite. I, you know, I can't break it down like, uh, I can't break it down like Jake, but uh, he does a fantastic job. But uh, we'll do our best to uh, break down some of these prospects. Excellent. Jack, do you want to talk us through today's show? So today we're looking at the O-line. So tackles, guards and centers. That's our focus today. So we're looking at the next three years, who's on our roster and any free agents out there because any team that's out there, they're going to be looking three years into the future. You don't decide what you're doing based on one year windows because you're never going far that way. You've got to look long-term, especially when you're going to plow three years of money staying to a free agent or you're going to draft someone. So um, we'll kick it off. We'll start with the outside. We'll look at the tackles. So tackle, we've got signed. The first one is Chris Hubbard. Um, he's signed up for 7.3 million this year with 3.2 if you was cut. 2020 is 7.3 million with 2.4 to cut. And 2021 is 7.8 million with 1.6 million to cut. Is he around here long term? What, what's that like future? And um, I'll then throw my views out afterwards. John, I'll let you start. 
Um, I think he's here for now. I'm, you know, Chris didn't have a very good year. I don't think, um, you know, he was a very good swing tackle. I think he, and that might just be what he is more of a swing tackle, maybe not somebody that you want starting on a week to week basis, but for right now, we just don't have anybody better. And I don't think we're going to find that person in free agency. So, um, and we might not find it in draft, but I think either way, I think they hang on to him for at least one more year. Yeah, for me, he's someone, depending on what we do in draft and what we do with Greg Robinson, which we'll come on to next, you keep him there on the roster. Um, maybe across this season, you might you leave him comfortably as either your swing tackle or you can probably do a job with him at right tackle. But you've obviously got that option of tackles get injured and another team might come with a begging bowl. And I could easily see a third or a fourth you get for Chris Hubbard, probably even a third. If a team's desperate and on that, what they perceive as their Super Bowl window, you might see someone dump him. So I, I wouldn't, I would keep hold of him. And then, yeah, maybe next year, if you draft someone this year and whichever round a tackle, they're going to add a tackle um, somewhere through the draft. If they develop, then yeah, you're happy to move on um, and you might be able to trade him off uh, a small piece then. Agreed. Um, Greg Robinson's the next name. Do we bring him back? And uh, I'll add a cravat. Knowing our luck, the day after we record this and just before we drop it, he's going to be signed to a long-term deal or we're going to announce he won't sign. But uh, that's just typical of our luck at the moment with these shows. So <laughs> we'll work on the basis that he hasn't signed yet. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Greg and uh, I would like him to stay within the roster. John? Yeah, yeah I'm uh, you know, pleasantly surprised by what we saw uh, this year. You know, I, I'm still not entirely convinced that it's um, more Greg than it is uh, the changes that we made uh, offensively to kind of help hide these tackles in the, in the passing game. And not that you can't continue to do that, you know, but uh, I don't think that Greg has changed who he is um, in the course of six months or eight months. So, but I would love to have him back, which is not something I would have said when we brought him on the team. Uh, So I'm hoping any day here that they sign him to, you know, something like a two year deal, something on the cheap, uh, relatively speaking uh, when it comes to tackles and just keep him on and, and see if maybe he has made changes for the long term. Yeah, I'd, I'd go and approach the deal. I think it's somewhere going to be in the 7.3 to 8.5 million range because I think whatever's Hubbard's getting, he's got a fair ask to get more than that. He's a better player, played at a better standard. And even though it's not as much evidence-based, people pay left tackles more than they pay right tackles. So I think that's where it's going to be. If it starts getting the upside of 10 million, in all honesty, I'm happy to walk away and we'll find someone in free agency or the draft. I'm not going to pay him over 10 million. Um, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if someone was willing to pay him out there. Um, and I think our tackle play, even though the results were great, the process and the quality was not good. Um, neither tackle played at a very good level this year. Um, Freddie's scheme was fantastic in scheming and covering them. Um, there was... Ch- uh, chip blocks from tight ends and other players to sort of help improve that. Baker gets the ball out quick. Um, so I'm not keen to plow a load of money in for not great tackle play. Um, obviously, you can go, it worked last year. Why won't it work again? Nothing's guaranteed long-term. Um, and for me, I would rather, the more we can get, if if Freddie Kitchens is having to tie up two of the five skill players to support both of our tackles, then it limits how you can get downfield and the weapons Baker Mayfield has. The best way to get Baker Mayfield more weapons is to improve the tackle play and all five players can be for Baker Mayfield rather than being extra O-linemen, basically. I like that. I like that as a uh, general philosophy. 
Jack, that was an Oscar-winning scene, mate. We should uh, edit that <laughs> and uh, use it as a promotion video, mate. We'll clip it and uh, we'll tweet it with the show. Um, I, I, cheers. Um, and the, the final name in the room, um, in the tackle room, is Desmond Harrison, um, tied up for 576 grand this year, um, 666 the next year, and then a restricted free agent in 2021. Um, for me, I'm perfectly happy with him as sort of your fourth tackle. I think there's no reason why um, you wouldn't be. Um, he's someone for me that you see what he develops into. Um, I, I'm always in favour of keeping them four tackles. Yeah, I thought um, he started off really well. Why do you think he um, missed so many games at the end was, and was on the inactive list? Anyone got any ideas? That's the concern. Um, it's no one knows why. Um, and obviously with a checkered past, you, you could there could always be issues that arise from that. So for me... Um, there might be stuff behind the scenes. We definitely improved the play without him there. But in all honesty, no head coach um, who's slightly competent would have started him, um, especially after not allowing him any of the pre-seasons to develop. You can't just throw him out there at the last minute. So who knows? We'll see where it goes. But um, it, it might be one of them where we never get an answer and he's, he's gone. Um, it might make the 90-man, but then might not make the 53. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't I don't necessarily understand what was going on with the active uh, or the inactive list uh, throughout the year, really. There was some real strange ones. Uh, Corbett was on there for a while for no apparent reason, although that was under Hugh, I think, more so. Um, but, you know, I just don't have any explanation whether there's anything attitude-wise or whatever the case. You know, salary-wise and production-wise, I mean, he's barely over the vet minimum. You know, no reason to get rid of him if he's not a uh, a headache. And I don't think he's going to get too much terribly better. I mean, he's he's almost as old as Greg Robinson is, uh, if I can if I remember correctly. But uh, as a fourth tackle for that kind of money, uh, there's no reason to push him off the roster until you have something clearly better. I think. Yep. So, right, that racks up the tackles. We'll jump over to the two starting guards. Um, I'll just do the pair together. You've got. Kevin Zeitler, who um, is on 12.4 million for the next two years, then 14.4. There is zero chance he's moved this year because the cut and trade is 10.7. Um, so that's never happening. Um, and no one would realistically recommend that who's worth their salt. Um, and then if you look at Betonio, it's 7 million, um, 9 million, and then 10 million. And is only a tiny bit of dead cap in 1.3 million this year. And then it disappears after that. So um, Betonio is incredibly cheap for his talent level. Zeitler's expensive, but he is playing to that level. So you cannot complain there. Um, but they are all pro level. So uh, fantastic players. And you'd be mad to get rid of them. Yeah, Jack, super expensive O-line now. I know you're a uh, cap space expert expert do you think that we're coming into the third uh, different uh, OC manager in a year that there could be some changes to try and make this a uh, bit more streamlined so I think the way that you might make it cheaper is if you push Betonio out to left tackle um, because then he's very cheap for a left tackle and you bring in Corbett at left guard I think that is a um, direction you could take and we'll get onto Corbett in a second um, obviously um, I, I've Batted the drum for, I, I think, taking a first-round pick at left tackle or even right tackle, if you don't like any of the left tackles this year, is a realistic thing to do because then you bring the price down. But you have this spare money with Baker Mayfield on a rookie contract that you can spend in other rooms. Approximately about 7 8% of the cap 
you can spend elsewhere depending on what you're doing the rest of the QB room. That money could, I'm happy for that all to go into the O-line if that's where you want to invest and that extra money, but you need to find some cheaper answers. And the only way to find cheaper answers is through the draft. And until you can draft better replacements, you can't get rid of that starting O-line. Oh yeah. I, you know, I agree. I think it, it's just a little bit of a shuffle. You know, I, I think these guards are locked up for the next two years. Uh, you know, there's no question on that. And I think that I, just like any roster management, um, you know, theory, you're, you're going to constantly shuffle in those new players to kind of keep those position groups from overwhelming the, you know, the overall cap. So, you know, I think that's, that's why I also have been advocating to, to get a tackle one way or another. And th- things are looking pretty good. You know, as we've gotten a little further into this draft process, I think there's a very nice group of tackles, uh, a right one or a left one that are going to be there for you at 17. If that's a, uh, if that's the direction that they want to go. And I think that they should, I don't think we should be trying to draft a left or right tackle to start that year. Um, next year, you know, we're, we're going to, probably push for the playoffs this year you know why would we want to wait until next year to you know draft some kind of a long-term answer for that left tackle position um you know so I hope that they invest in that soon you know we've got a a great new O-line coach Uh, some people have faith in him to just develop uh, later round guys but uh you know tackles are tough to address you know you don't see good ones hit the market so you know I hope to see them uh deal with that uh, I don't think one of the things that, well, actually, I won't jump ahead of you and center. So that's about all I have there. <laughs> no, right. Jack, talk, uh, talk well, center. we'll jump into Corbett first. Um, 1.7 million this year, 2, point million, uh, 2 million the year after, and 2.4 the year after that. Um, obviously, he's basically just our sixth O-lineman. Um, so he'll play anywhere interior if we get an injury. Probably if we got an injury, he would jump in and then Batonio move out to left tackle say um so he just gives you lots of options and people say oh he didn't play a snap this year so he must be bad I don't hear anyone saying Patrick Mahomes is a bust because Patrick Mahomes didn't play in his first year I understand those positions are different but if you are behind two all pro guards and you can't get into the team that has no character reference on you as an individual. So although I slammed the pick and I still think it was a bad pick, I've got no issue with his level of talent. We don't know as fans what that is. He will get that chance to prove it. And when he's able to go out there, we'll see what happens. Yeah, good, good point there, Jack. And uh, like I said, it's so interesting with all these uh, new staff. They're going to see different uh, views and different angles on, uh, on our roster and we could see a spike in Corbett starting straight away at center. You just never know. Yeah, that's the interesting thing, too, when it comes to Corbett, because where I thought that they would have hedged their bets and had him continue to take snaps at, at guard in case Harrison didn't work out, um, the reports were, you know, w- late into the season that he had been repping center the entire year. So uh, I don't know whether or not um, – you know, our new coaches will start to rep him elsewhere or if they will just continue to keep him taking center snaps. So I'll, I'll do JC Tretter's contract, then I'll explain why I think he reps center all season. So JC Tretter is 6.75 million with, if we wanted to move him on, say we got a trade offer, um, it's only 1.5 million um, we'd have in dead cap, so very small. Um, and the reason why I think he ended up repping the whole season at centre is because of that injury to JC Treader. He wasn't able to practice throughout the week. So he is 
the backup center in the team and making sure that you have someone who's got that connection. So Baker Mayfield knows whose ass he's patting to get the ball out and has that link. <laughs> um, so that if Tretter went down during a game, which was very likely to be fair, the state he was in, he had no right to be able to play that whole season. He battled through like an absolute trooper and you just have that natural progression that if someone goes down, boom, we can put him in there. So, um, and it's good for Corbett. If Corbett's happy to play, guard can play center it gives you that flexibility because now if someone came in with a great offer for one of our players or we can't tie up um robinson and we move betonio out and put corbett in there it's nice flexibility to have from that player so tretter you've got the option of do you extend him now which i've got no issue with um or do you push for corbett's development and then potentially trade him on the, away this offseason or let him hit free agency the, uh, next year? Yeah, I think that those are great points as far as the state that we were in with Corbett. Uh, I actually think the center was his best position coming out. I think he did a bunch of reps there during the Senior Bowl week and looked really good. I thought when we drafted him that that was what he was for. I did not see Treader coming in and having the season that he did. Glad that he did. But at the same time, if he has another season that good – we're not paying them $10 million. We're just not going to be able to do that. So uh, you might see them just continue to let him back him up. But uh, yeah, those are really good points as far as the injuries and those types of things. Good. And uh, do we have any other centers in the squad at the moment or are they all being released? Um, so the other two players on the roster are Kyle Callis and Earl Watford, who are um, both, um, well, Earl Watford's a free agent. And I believe Callis is either a, free agent or uh, no dead cap but I can't see Callis um, being back I think we addressed the position he's gone um, I'm just trying to find out if he's a free agent I, let's say oh no he's he's got another year left at eight six hundred and forty five thousand but no dead cap he's not hanging around he's gone and um, they'll get some improvement in there um, and Earl Watford's a free agent honestly I don't think either's back um, I think you're looking at maybe one comes back for camp, but I'm thinking we're adding a interior alignment in the draft. We're adding a tackle in the draft. Whether them players turn out to be any good, that's a whole other question. Well, I've got to say, Earl Watford is a listener of our show, so I really hope he's in the uh, 90-man uh, roster uh, in uh, in the uh, OTAs. And the other, the other guy you mentioned... Do you think he's definitely going to get uh, chopped or do you think there's a chance that he could come back? He might make the 90. He won't make the uh, final 53. Um, not unless there's serious, serious internal injuries um, on that internal O-line. Um, but f- for me, you might see something. And I, I was surprised with Dorsey. Jeff Janis is a perfect example of this last year. was brought in quite a decent deal and they were decent names, but never made that 53-man. So I think we'll see a case where there might be some of these players like oh Watford, some players in other positions that bring back and you're going, why would you bring that person back? And then they never make that 90, but they're in there as sort of solid options. And it gives you that thing of most teams are going to have one or two players go down in training camp. Hopefully it's going to be the fringe players um, rather than the starters. But having that extra depth means you don't ruin your season if someone just happens to get injured in a training camp and suddenly you've lost, say, your, your starting guard and your start somewhere else. So um, we'll, we'll have some extra depth to make the 90 that you can honestly sit there probably at the start and go, this guy's not making the 53 unless this person gets injured. I've got a question for you guys. Say if um, Corbett's obviously the backup guard, but if 
we have one or two injuries on the O-line, do we have a backup backup guard? Um, so at the minute, there is no real depth. Um, Callis is your depth at um, sort of fifth interior O-lineman. Um, but we're going to address that in the draft, I think. Anywhere from the first to the seventh round, you're going to see a tackle added, um, at least one, maybe two. Um, and then if you look at the interior lineman, you're going to add one on day three. Whether it's the fourth to the seventh round, there's someone going to be added. Um, there'll be UDFAs, but you're never expecting anything of a UDFA. If you get something, then it's a bonus. Um, but th- there'll be some additions to that um, O-line. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, I think they'll just grab a few in the draft. Um, you know, the, I don't know if they'll follow that same philosophy, but a lot of those guys, our executives came from that green Bay tree. And, uh, like I was talking about pre-show, they, you know, they had a standing kind of policy that they only drafted college tackles. You know, if they couldn't make it, then they moved those guys in, but they, for 10 year streak, I think they would only draft uh, tackles and then maybe once in a while a center. So I expect them to do uh, similar things. You know, we've got the O-line coach from Green Bay, long time Campton, and then you have two executives from Green Bay. I expect to see some of that same stuff and we'll probably pick up two, maybe even three um, over the course with UDFAs included, you know, I think before the, the season begins. Yeah, I forget who the name was, but I think at the start of our 53-man roster uh, last season, I think I remember someone saying all but one of the nine people, eight or nine players in that room, were all tackle left tackles in college. Um, and it's really interesting to note that lots of them, if you're the best player on the O-line in college, they just go, oh, you're playing left tackle. And if that shows that that's the best place to go. And if you can train these players to play elsewhere, and Green Bay's got a rich history um, in recent years of, they just keep adding all these sort of players in the draft, not in the first couple of rounds, but just throughout of um, O-linemen and they develop them. And hopefully bringing in their O-line coach will allow us just to develop, develop and develop. Because if you can start picking up players in the sort of third to fifth round and turning them into starters, you're in an awesome position. And then if you have too many, you can trade them off. And it is probably outside a quarterback O-line's probably the only position that really holds true value um, because teams are just desperate for them. Very few teams are ever in a position where they have too many O-linemen. Agreed. If we look down to free agents, is there any interest from any of you to, on free agents? Uh, you know, that. Uh, do, do you remember seeing that chart that came out from Sashi's era um, about a week ago? that uh, had their tenants of team kind of construction and that kind of thing. One of the ones that I loved more than anything was uh, don't pay for depth. I'm not trying to pay $5 million for some scrap heap offensive linemen when we know that uh, there's a dearth of them in the NFL. Why would we want to pay, you know, $5 million for something, um, you know, where they don't even have enough starters in the league, you know, when we can draft them and see what we can do. Yeah, I I think, Chris Hubbard's sort of the perfect example of that. I, I really early cheered and thought that was a solid sign and hopefully he can replicate the stuff he had done with Haley. Didn't work out. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think the argument is try get these guys through the draft. O-line, the best place to get them. Obviously, we went out and we found some incredible guards, um, well, found an incredible guard and incredible centre through free agency. Um, I just don't think it's a reliable place. And you look in there, there's, there's some good names there at the moment. Not elite, but good. I would doubt many of them actually make it through to free agency. I think lots of them are going to get re-signed because, yeah, if you've got an O-lineman, you just, it's like a quarterback. You just don't let them walk. 
Do you think um, Hubbard was brought in simply because of the uh, Todd Haley connection and he may now struggle coming back next year? Um, I think that was the reason which gave him the extra boost because Dorsey's probably looking at right tackles and went to Haley and went, look, I want to sign this guy. What do you reckon? And he's probably said, yeah, it's good. Sign him. Um, so I, I, I've got no issue with the signing. It just didn't work out. Um, and we're in a position where we can move on. I would say for the sake of the small money you're getting back, you're getting 3.2 million back if you cut him, 7.3 if you keep him. I'd say just pay the 4.1 um, and you just keep him for a year. And if you get the option to trade, great. Just move him on that way. Um, I'd, I think something, we'd have to add a couple of tackles in the draft probably to look to actually cut him. I agree with that completely. Jack, is there any superstar names out there at all that we should be looking at? Um, no, Brown's daily mock draft throughout Juwan James, who's the right tackle for the uh, Miami Dolphins, 33rd rated tackle for uh, PFF and 26.6 in age. So he's, he's solid there. Um, Trenton Brown's going to be the big name, but he's going to get big money. He's an absolute unit. I think he's six for eight. Literally stands next to the O-lineman and they look small like running backs. It is um, <laughs> madness. Um, yeah, and we're not going to spend big on a guard and center. We're locked up there. So it's all going to come down to that question of, do you re-sign Greg Robinson? And then it gives you the options in the draft. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting position, Rin. Awesome. Thanks a lot for that, Jack. No, massive thank you to John. John, plug yourself. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, anybody can find me on uh, on Twitter with at jcosmo. Uh, and then also we uh, write for waitingfornextyear.com. And then also we have the This Believe Land is Your Land podcast. So thanks for having me on. I always have a good time. Uh, glad to come on anytime, guys. It's always good to have you on. Um, I'm big fans of your work and uh, just a really solid chap as well. Good. Appreciate uh, jo- it, guys. John, I've got to ask one super quick question. Is uh, In the draft, first two, three rounds, who, what positions are you key that we, uh, we go for? I like heavily focusing on uh, the value, uh, positional value, as much as anything. I wouldn't let it overrule everything, but uh, I like corner. You know, uh, I like corner. I like left tackle. I like, um, uh, and then I like DT if the right one is there. You know, if the right one is there. Um, but I, I would have offensive tackle and cornerback, especially if somebody like Murphy drops to us. That'd be a gift. All right, awesome. And uh, no taking any uh, offense until later on? I think there's so many good wide receivers that there's no reason to get in there early for one, um, you know, and the rest of, I, I, well, you know what, there was an exception. Yeah, I can be talked into Hawkinson at 17. Like I, I think he really can do, he can change your offense in that he's a, a two way tackle he blocks it and he catches. I think that's, that's a legitimate thing that, to add to your offense. But um, you know, other than that, I'll, I'll stay off it. The, the best thing about drafting a tight end in the first round is that you don't need an overpaid uh, blocking slot wide receiver. So that means he's in his final year. <laughs> Ouch. See what I mean, Paul? Come on, Jack. Be nice. It's pro uh, Landry show, mate. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 50% rule. <laughs> 49, 51%. Yeah. Hey, you know how I feel. I'm in your pocket. <laughs> But no, great to have you on. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Um, keep subscribing to the show. Subscribe to us. Subscribe to John's show. Um, it's really good stuff. And um, we're on Spotify. We're here, there, and everywhere. Give us a um, 
five-star rating and review. It all helps with the numbers, allows people to come find our show. Um, but thank you so much for your support. Um, we love it. And um, we have a fantastic guest on tomorrow. We've got Carl Krabs from the Draft Network. So come back tomorrow where we're discussing all the draft prospects. He's doing an awesome breakdown. It's really good. Make sure you're here.